0: Welcome to the Hustlers Manifesto podcast. We jailbreak from toxic hustle culture. We take Hustler back from the belief that bigger is better, security is contingent on compliance, and freedom is reserved for the powerful. I'm your host, Sarah Duran. I'm not here to tell you how to make a quick buck. I'm here to change the way work is done so we can live more meaningful lives right now instead of betting on an uncertain future. If you value this content, Please rate it and comment on this podcast wherever you get it. Thanks for being part of the movement. Hi, Adriana. Hello. How are you?
1: I am great. How are you?
0: I'm wonderful. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you.
1: Thanks. I'm so happy to be here.
0: So um, let's start off with the three questions that I ask everyone, and you can just tell us a little bit about yourself. So who are you, what is your work, and why do you do it?
1: My name is Adriana Barros, and I own Second Love Restoration, which is a small furniture repair business out of the Denver metro area and pretty much all of Colorado or wherever anybody wants to pay me to go, (laughs) because I've been to... South Dakota and I've been to New York to do repairs I've been to Missouri just kind of all over um, to just do kind of the work that you don't really know exists until you need it to exist so um one of the biggest things that I focus on is like When people build a brand new kitchen and their kitchen is just installed, and let's say the electricians come in and their tool belts scratch the front drawers of the cabinets or countertops are installed, and there's big chips out of the cabinets, I just come in and I repair them to look like they just never existed. So, um, my dad has done furniture for the last 35 years, but I kind of went more into the new build, construction, mobile stuff where I actually don't bring my work home. I go to work, but work is everywhere in Colorado. So. Um,
0: why, why do you do this work?
1: Well, at first I didn't want to do that work because as you know, um, mm-hmm. y- your dad is also a carpenter and you never wanted to follow in your dad's footsteps because that just is so cliche and ev- what everybody wanted to do. And I actually had started um, in an after school program for Boulder Valley school district. I worked um, just in there, in there before and after school. And I was there for about four and a half years, like in high school and out of high school. And that, that was my first love. So I loved working with kids and I loved just being a a part of that. So when I actually started my company, I was still working with kids. That's why the company name is Second Love Restoration. But then it kind of has like a, if you're an English teacher, I've gotten a lot of compliments about the second love aspect of that. Because it not only was my second love at the time that has now become my first love, because it's a great job. But It also shows that like people who have heirlooms and stuff that they want refinished or they want it looking new. Like I always want to give that opportunity to people for for that second love of that piece. So,
0: um, yeah. So we definitely have had a lot of conversations. We share the same. um, Our dads working similar lines of work. Yeah. Um, And you are 100% right. Growing up, I was like, I will never own my own business. I <laughs> There's too many decisions to be made. There's too many like um, managing other people feels very complicated. And you have to like hustle all the time. You are responsible. You are 100% the only person responsible for your livelihood and sometimes other people's livelihoods. And then um, lo and behold, the universe had other plans. And uh, here we both are. <laughs> working for ourselves I um, and I'm I guess I'm like so like I'm curious about why because I think that a lot of people that I've talked to feel like the leap and I think myself included even though like growing up with parents who are entrepreneurs the leap of like quote-unquote starting your own business feels like a big It feels scary, right? It feels like a black box. Like you don't know how to do it. Like how I want to do this. How do I even get started? What do I need to do? Like, how did you get to the place where you were like, this is what I want to do? And you just like, I mean, as simple as it sounds, like, mustered the will to just do it and figure it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started the company, it was in 2017, and I actually was doing contract work for another big repair company out of the metro area. So that was great and all. And I've always, they, the people who have seen my work is they always try to like buy you out of their, the other contract. So like, come work for us, come work for us. And I always was like, no, no, like that's too scary. You know, no thanks. And then, and then there was a point that, sorry, that was my dog. He <laughs> is very vocal. That's all right. <laughs> we, this is <laughs>
0: a dog friendly podcast.
1: Yes. Oh, thank, thank goodness. <laughs> Cause his name's Denver. Denver loves to be involved. <laughs> um, but so in 2020 was when I stepped away from the contract, um, company that did the repairs. And honestly, during that time in my life, I felt like I had a great support system. Like my mom was a huge support system in that. And I think that that's very important when you're trying to do something crazy, right? Because we, we, Stepping out and and starting your own business, you have to be a little crazy, as you know. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you gotta, you have you have to know all of the things that you're gonna run into. And at the time, I I didn't own a home, I didn't have, I wasn't married. I you know I I don't have those things that were holding me down to be to be afraid of, because you almost feel like you're you're trapped in something that you're like, oh, I can't do it because I've got this 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 that's holding me back from that security mm-hmm. of starting your own thing. So knowing that I was like, okay, like it could be feast or famine. I, I could not have work at all, or I could be slammed for weeks. Um, kind of going on a tangent here, but, but I think that, I think that I, I did experience those, those lulls, right? I, there was, there was one month, I think it was December. Cause kind of the winter time people slow down, spend their money on, on gifts for their families, go on trips and stuff. So the winter season gets slow for me, and I sat at home for for three weeks with n- nothing on the calendar. Just absolute, like, okay, we're just gonna trust that something's gonna come through. And it's it really was um, like I'm a I'm a faithful person, so I have faith that that the Lord will provide and that whatever needs to get paid will get paid somehow, some way. And that was a huge support system for me, too, and my my mom being crazy along the journey of that as well.
0: I think that is so, um, I mean, that definitely resonates with my own experience. I remember when I decided to quit my job and not start my own business, but just be like, I got to figure something else out. And I picked up some contract work. But I was telling my husband, I was like, I think I need to quit my job. And <laughs> I'm gonna get some contract work like I'm gonna make sure that like I have the money covered before I quit um and he was like all right and I was like yeah that's it like you're you're and then the I ended up working um for someone after that as like a partner in his company and that ended up not working out and I was like I think I'm gonna start my own business and he was like all right and I was like See, like, you're not scared. Like, you're not like, should we talk about this? I was like, your unwavering faith in me is actually like a little bit scary. Like, yeah. I switch. Yeah. So, it is that support system where I'm like, well, apparently you think I can do this. So,
1: yeah, you got people on your side. So, that's, I guess, maybe that's the underlying factor that maybe that's where these successful businesses come from are the people behind us. So,
0: yeah, I think that is so true. Um, I know it's definitely true with my parents and their business. Um, and I also that also resonates with me because there were definitely um, what you said about um, having faith because I definitely was like, there were moments where I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage next month. <laughs> and um, I'm just going to trust that something's going to come along. Not that I wasn't also, which I'm sure you were too, doing the actual work of trying to get business. Right. And, you know, all, every time I picked up a new contract or like something came through. And so I also am just like a big believer in like trusting the universe. Like what is going to if if you you have to do the actual work and right. what is meant to be is going to find a way to happen. Um, yeah. One of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on, I think we were talking about this before we hit record that you're. Um, the work that you do is a little bit different than some of the other people that I have on the podcast. And um, as uh, someone who grew up with parents, um, especially my dad, who did quote unquote like blue collar work and worked with his hands, oftentimes in homes of people who did white collar work and did not work with their hands. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I saw over and over again was just this sort of bias against um the value of working with your hands versus working in an office or doing blue collar work versus white collar work i remember one story that um my dad always told me was that um, and this is just one example of how this happened over and over again for him when he was in in someone's house someone right in right next to him like no shame at all was pointed at him and his guys and told their kid this is why you go to college Oh and my. That is right, and it's like a. So a, yeah. like I did go to college, yeah. um, but I also am like, go to college, don't go to college. Like, I don't actually care as long as you're doing what you love, yeah. um, and b, like the just the value judgment there that this is something that you do because you couldn't do something else because you weren't mm-hmm. smart enough to do something else because like whatever the other value judgments are there have yeah. always sort of um and just really instilled this belief in myself like i said go to college don't go to college do right. what you love but also the power of people who um are tr- are like truly skilled craftspeople in um especially today where i feel like those kind of skill sets are just not as valued as they should be um yeah. and so i'm curious about your take on that as someone who works directly with her hands also yep. which would, in an industry that's probably like very male dominated. So there's like there's so many layers.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So to start off, um the whole college thing. Like I personally I just didn't like school and we were kind of touching base on this a little bit earlier like I don't even like admin work for my own company. Like it, and that's that speaks to the creative people. And I think that yes, college is very important for people. And, and as in like my boyfriend's scenario, like he would work with his uncle and install carpet and do drywall and do all of these things when he was younger. And he said, that's not what I want to do. Like, I want to go to college because I want to sit at a desk and not hurt my back, which I get that. I totally, I know that one day my body is going to fail me just like all of the other blue collar workers. But at the same time, like during the pandemic, you know, we were all very busy because people were working on their houses and the 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 trades are dying and that's what's really sad about this generation my generation I I'm 20 26 and the generation that the furniture repair and the craftsmanship is getting passed down to is my my generation and so like yes my my brother knows how to do it he could do repairs if he wanted to but he doesn't want to and it's not furniture repair is not something that you go to trade school for. There's no actual way to learn it unless you're in the industry from your family or friends, or it's such a niche, right? There's just such a little bit of that. And just touching back on the, the whole college thing. Like I, I just personally didn't want to go to college and I, I, the whole reason why I left the school district was because they want to get a bit better position. They wanted me to go to college. And now it's kind of ironic because after 2020, they lost all these teachers and now they're giving anybody a job in the schools. So, but I unfortunately just wouldn't go back. Cause I, I do love what I do now. And, and, and the trades, the trades are pretty much the foundation of America. Like they're, While everybody else was working from home, we were out and about. And when I tell you, I-25 rush hour during COVID was a chef's kiss. It was the best. I loved it. I wish we could go back to that. But Colorado people know that I-25 is the worst. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anyway.
0: (laughs) We need all those people to stop going to their offices so that (laughs) the the trades people can get out there and fix all the things. Yes, absolutely. Um. Yeah, I mean I think you're um you're really you're hitting it on the head there with I think the college thing. I think that there and I'm 100% with you. I think everyone should have the option to go to college. I think one of the things that happens in in our society is that not everyone does have the option to go to college. So hear me say that like everyone should have the option to go to college. I just think that there are a lot of um there are a lot of amazing professions that I think people end up not exploring because we all get pressured into this like more like I said, quote unquote white collar mentality where it's like the the right thing to do or the like better thing to do is to like not work with your hands but like go work in an office, you know and both of those things are incredibly important for our economy, right? But I think like you, I'm watching, um i'm watching sort of like these skilled trades die out because um people aren't seeing value in them when not only i think are they valuable just like intrinsically because people love them but i think they're also really lucrative in a way that a lot of people don't understand that you can um whether you're learning through experience like you did or whether you're going to a trade school um or something or some sort of apprenticeship something like that like Um, you can make really good money, um, doing stuff like this, especially if you work for yourself.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that was one of the biggest like hiccups that I saw with a contract company because I was like, wow, I'm like what this guy is charging. I'm not even making a third of what he's charging, Mm -hmm. which means that if, and this is, those are the things that ran through my mind, you know, in, in November of 2020, when I left, I was like, okay, so I could work half as hard and make three times more money and I can create my own schedule and I can pick who I want to do jobs for or not do jobs for. And I can, I I can, there's more freedom in it. And yes, you, it's, it is so scary, but it's also so rewarding seeing like in the last three years, what, how many clients I've built and really the, the work is, any trades work is really referral based. And that's, I have not done any marketing. I haven't paid for any marketing. I I have an Instagram and a Facebook, but it's very rare that I get business from that. It's really just word of mouth or people, yeah, just, just refer, like, especially when I talked to you at our spouse's Christmas party and I said, this is what I do. Then you were like, that light bulb moment went off of like, I need to share it with my dad, which mm-hmm. was so awesome. And I really appreciate it. Cause even, even Frank has sent me like four jobs already, which has been so cool. I don't even know the guy, but but it, it, it's just awesome. So,
0: I mean, I think you just said, like, you just said a sentence that I think sums up why all, and this is like the through line, right? Why all freelancers do this. You make more money. You choose your schedule you choose your jobs and you choose the people that you work with. And that's something that is fundamentally not, some of those things can be true when you work for other people, but that's like a level of control that you have over your work. That wasn't true, even when you were working contract for other people. Right. Um, And I think that's so, um, I mean, the other thing that I think you hit on there is like, I think the best independent workers are get most of their work through referrals. Um, And that's also this like network of people who also work for themselves, um, other entrepreneurs who would like know the struggle and are like and recognize quality. I think that's the other thing is they're like, I am like dying. I think especially in the trades, I am like dying for quality people to be able to refer people to. Right. And so I think there is so much work to be had out there for people that know what they're doing.
1: Absolutely,
0: no, for sure. Um, the other thing that I just want to like call out because I think it's really amazing is like you're you're pretty young for like owning yeah. your own business, right? <laughs> like, um, so I think that's another thing just to like call out for people about this like this route that you've gone on is like you built you built your own business. You recently bought a house, right? Yes. Yeah. And you're 26.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, so just well, to like name yeah. that. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. I think that's yeah. like, I think there's like a lot of people who, um, you know, go the quote unquote traditional route of like getting a desk job and doing all those things who don't, who can't say that at the age of 26. Um, And again, there's no judgment on like the, on like what route is the right route for everyone. But I, I just want to like draw attention to the fact that like you took a pretty unconventional path. And um, at a very young age, and it is like, so far really paid off.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely do want to thank my dad, because if it wasn't for him, then I wouldn't, you know, know how to do all of the refinishing and stuff that I that I did. I mean, even there's pictures from when we would work in the shop, and I was six years old sanding a piece of furniture with him. And that's, he loves to show even some of his customers that photo. And it's it is something that is really special and and I truly was blessed to have a dad guide me you know and show me the 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 ropes and I feel like one of the things that I do struggle with especially when I'm trying to tell people to follow their dreams and do what you want because it'll it'll work out if it's meant to be right but it is hard when you like you were saying earlier you're the person who who does all the work and you make the schedule and you, it's your hands on work. I think that that's really hard to transition to one, hiring people to work for you. And also to like giving up kind of that, that creativity in, in the job realm of it. Like I so badly do want to hire people to, to work with me and train and, and get, you know, more, more people doing this trade, but it, it also comes with a lot of fears and fears of, of I'm having somebody represent me and my company. And I think that, I think that the older generation has, they've gone through those things and they have experience. I'm just in that different season of, of my career where I will start to hire people and I'll start having people by my side and start training them. But where, where do I find these people? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Where like, because Yes, it's an artistic mind, but it's artistic with hands-on. Like I have tools and I I can remodel a whole bathroom if I want to, because I know how to do it, but I taught myself how to do those things. YouTube is a beautiful thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. It I don't know how people learn these things before the internet because I like I, I have done tile and drywall and electrical and plumbing. I, I can do it all. It's just what I decide to do. What I really want to get paid for and where my where my peace of mind sits around all of that so
0: yep i think that um i think all solopreneurs run into that um at some point in some way no matter what we do um cuz if you're good at what you do then people keep ask you keep getting more people that ask you to do it and fundamentally you only have um you only have your time. Like you only have so much time in the day that is your time, and there are different ways of thinking about that depending on the structure of your business, right? Whether you're hiring people, whether you're thinking about some different type of like business model, um, and but ultimately, I think that is like you're you're um, hitting the nail on the head, which I see with like a lot of freelancers that I work with too. Is like a lot of people get to that stage and they start hiring people, and then. Um, a couple years go by, and they're like, "Oh no! Like now, I'm not actually doing the work anymore. I'm just like managing people who do the work. And for some people, that's fine. Like you are put on this earth to manage people. I know lots yeah. of people like that. And but for some people, you sort of end up getting farther and farther away from the work that you love doing. Um, and it's a really tricky. It's a really tricky um, thing to navigate. I was literally just recording a podcast. Um, right before I got on with you um, with someone else. And we were talking about um, like how you manage demand with pricing. And Mm -hmm. it was so interesting because it's like this time, just this one, he's like, well, you just have to, you know, as soon as you start getting more people, like you start reaching this critical mass, you just raise your prices and then a few people will drop off, (laughs) but some people will stay on. And then you have less people at a higher amount of money. And then you're sort of just like, managing that up, you're using your pricing in order to like filter people out of your business, which is just like one way that you can do that, but it doesn't address the like having people do your work who are not you.
1: Right. Right. No, I, I definitely did hit that season where I was like, I've got a lot of people who are reaching out. So it's time to jack them up a little bit. Plus inflation in Colorado was awesome and helped me out. Yep. But what does that look like when we now like what is going to happen to our economy and and i think that that's also another fear and something that every entrepreneur has in the back of their head what am i going to do when the economy crashes and nobody's repairing furniture i was yep. like i'm going to go into hvac or something that is a true true essential thing yeah and i know that like like i said you know even during christmas we kind of drop down and my business slows down because people aren't doing that but in you know you just have you always have that in the back of your mind of okay I am a little crazy but I can go and get a desk job if I need to so. yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah I think that's um that's so true that like just having having those kind of contingency plans is something that I think is in the back of the mind of all entrepreneurs where you're like what am I gonna do if the shit hits the fan yeah. um <laughs> and to a certain extent you can only plan for that um so much but that like i think that is like it's just this it's this like symbol of this like entrepreneurial spirit right to like be able to like think about having those those contingency plans in the back of your mind um one other thing i want to ask you about is um being a female who's 26 in this industry and I know from, um, experience that, so my sister different, different than you, I was never allowed to work in the field in my dad's business because I'm really bad at painting things. And so (laughs) I worked in the office and my sister worked both in the office and in the field, but no one ever puts a paintbrush in my hand because I'm really, really bad at it. Um, but my sister worked in the field for my parents, um, like all through college and, she found that people never took her seriously because she was like a 20 something girl um and so I'm curious as like the business owner if you bump up against that
1: I I I feel like I do but I guess I don't pay attention to it because I've gotten past that like okay like yeah, she's just a little girl. Like, so I, so one thing that I, that I was thinking about was if I hire somebody, if I hire an older male, are they going to start talking to him? Like he's the business owner. And then I have to come in and straighten him out. Like, so I think that that's even a part of that, you know, that interfere. but this is really messed up. And just between me and you and your listeners, if they <laughs> listen, but, <laughs> but sometimes when I get real, um, inappropriate comments from clients they get charged for that (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah. yeah because I I don't I don't appreciate that and I I I deserve respect just like everybody else but I I do see how sometimes people one thing that's that I've run into more often than not is people are like oh are you sure you can do that like are you sure you can fix that and then people are pleasantly surprised and they're like oh my gosh she's she's magic. How did she yeah. do that? So I think that that I haven't run into the, or maybe, like I said, maybe I just don't pay attention to it and don't give it the power that they look down on me because I think a few years ago I did and I, and I was real self-conscious about that, but now I'm like, man, ah, I've been doing this now for three years on my own. We'll, we'll get through. So,
0: well, um, I love that. I think that is exactly the right mindset and they should pay for it if they're going <laughs> to
1: they're going to crap.
0: Um so it, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. This was just um like I said, I think this is a a different perspective even though like I said you can see you can hear the things that you're saying that like are exactly the same things that I think all the other solopreneurs that I talk to um deal with as well. And I think this perspective is super important because I want to I want to broadcast out to the world that both blue collar and white collar freelancers are important and um, are doing valuable work. And um, yeah, tell us where um, we can find you, whether you're in the Denver area or want to fly Adriana out to repair something in wherever you live.
1: Yeah, so you can find me at Second Love Restoration on Instagram or even on Facebook and then I will one day get a website. We'll get there. I just haven't done it quite yet, so but I hope that they can find me just through there and and message me or or I'll send out my phone number.
0: <laughs> they definitely can and I think the biggest mistake that people make is making a website when you get all your clients through referrals. Yeah. I mean like not Amen. that you couldn't make a simple one, but I'm also like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a website for the first five years that I ran my business because I got all my work to referrals. Like, yeah. So I think it's great. And we'll put all of the, we'll put links to your socials in the show notes. And awesome. um, thanks so much again for chatting with me.
1: Thanks for having me, Sarah. It was great. Thanks.